Well, before we jump into the word today, I just want to give a testimony. Last Sunday night, I was asked to come speak at the Life Center Church, well, not church, Life Center Camp. It's a camp that works out of um, Love, Inc. Incorporated. They have uh, Manistee County, Benzie County, and at this camp, these families come. They're able to very cheap come and just be ministered to, and they asked me to come and speak, and Pastor Neil, and so last Sunday night, I went, I prepared a PG-13 message, <laughs> and as we were uh, worshiping, I noticed all the kids are in there, and I'm like, Lord's got to help me. So she, I brought Jason and Shannon with me, and they were praying, and uh, I was a little nervous because it was chaos in the worship. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, how is this going to happen? But um, God was gracious, and the minute I stepped up and started preaching, it was, uh, you could have heard a pin drop in that place. It was quiet. Uh, I was able to preach a message about the prodigal son, about coming back home, and at the end of the message, six people asked to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Another five or six said, you know, I, I've been a Christian, but my home has not been the Lord's. And they dedicated um, and committed to make the Lord the Lord of their home. And then we was able to stick around and pray for uh, four or five other people afterward and really um, let God just minister to them that way. And then Pastor Neil and Deborah went that next day and we just... We just over, we just got to overwhelm them in God's love, and that was because we're an extension of your love and your kindness and your generosity, and so you receive that as your harvest as well. So wanted to share that with you. All right. So turn with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and Romans chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and Romans chapter 6. Today I want to begin a two-part message titled, Everything is Permissible. What we're going to do is we're going to expose the lie between grace and freedom and faith and holiness. So today we're going to focus on grace and freedom. The title comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where Paul states, come on, let's read this together here. In chapter 6, just this one verse, verse 12 says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Now, in order to understand that, you also have to understand who this was written to. This was Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And what he was doing is he was trying to correct what he saw as erroneous views in the Corinthian church. So if you look again at these verses, you'll see there's quote marks. He says, quote, everything is permissible for me, unquote. And then he goes in to say, but not everything is beneficial. Then he does it again, another quote, everything is permissible for me, unquote. But I will not be mastered by anything. You see, their statement as a Corinthian church was, everything is permissible for me. We're free in Christ. Everything is permissible. Paul's saying, what? Think about that. 
quote unquote. You're saying this, but Paul's instructions, Paul's corrections come in his but. But is everything beneficial? But I will not be mastered by anything. You see, we've all at one time or another heard a Christian quote this scripture for grounds on, well, their choices to live like they want to live. Haven't we? Oh, we're free in Christ. We can do whatever we want to do. Everything is permissible. Says it in the word. I have never in my almost 25 years of ministering had somebody sit in my office and fight for and defend their right to not do what every other Christian's doing. Oh, but I get them calling, texting, pounding, knocking, blowing up my Facebook messages, telling me why they have the right to do whatever they want to do. But where's the people that stand up and fight to not do what everybody else is doing? You see, Paul was correcting their statement. You're saying everything is permissible for me? Think about it. Is everything beneficial? You know, that's what he's encouraging us to do. That If you want to say that, then just consider these two things. If you want to say, just consider these two things. Is it beneficial? Does it positively add value to you, to your family, to your Christian witness? Is it beneficial? Okay, okay, so if you think it's beneficial, just consider. Will it cause you, could it cause you or anyone else to become enslaved again to sin? Hmm. Sure, everything's, everything's permissible. But is it beneficial? Does it add value to you, to your family, to your Christian witness? Could it cause you to become enslaved again? Today and next week, I want us to look at the same erroneous views that have snuck back into the church today. So let's read Romans chapter 6. And I want you to see the similarities here. And in order to try to understand this in context, we're going to read the whole chapter of chapter 6. But in order to understand chapter 6 in its context, you have to read all the Romans. And really, to understand all the Romans, you have to read, well, just, yeah, read it in its whole. <laughs> understand? See, that's where most of us get into trouble as we pick and choose. Look, at everything is permissible. Is that really what he said? All right. Chapter 6, Romans, chapter 6. Here it is, Paul again. Again, he's addressing a church, the Roman church, and trying to make some corrections. Starting with verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? So that grace may increase? Oh, we got grace. Haven't you heard that today? We're all covered by grace. We can do whatever we want to. Grace, grace, grace. Right? He yells out. I See, I hear him yelling out in verse 2. By no means. Brenda translation. translation what? Shut up. 
Are you serious? What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Not the old life just smeared in grace. A new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that, remember, whenever I see the word so that, you circle him because that's telling you why. This happened. Why? Because this is what's going to happen. This is what you need to do. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know. You like that, that he said that now twice? For we know, we know, not we think, we hope. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery. Wow, that's that same word there. Mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, again, I've taught you, when you see the word therefore, it's all this is built up. That's your foundation. Therefore, you're going to stand and do this. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought, been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. So here he goes again. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? What does he scream back again? What? Are you serious? What are you thinking? Shut up. He said, by no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone, you obey him as slaves? You are slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You need to underline that in your Bible. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Because we're sheep and sheep are stupid. Make it simple. Keep it simple 
shepherd. Got to say that nicely, right? Keep it simple. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. And then he's asking you, listen to this. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Verse 21. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Of those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you see the similarities there between those two? Between what he was saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 6? Ask yourselves, come on, everything is permissible, I can do whatever I want. But is it beneficial? Will it cause you or somebody else to become enslaved again? As we look at what grace is and what grace does, we're going to see where our true freedom lies. So let's just go through these. Grace. What is grace? Grace is a gift. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it was by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. This is a gift of God. Grace is a gift. Which means a gift has to be received. If it's offered, it has to be received. It has to be opened. It has to be used. Right? Growing up, my grandma Samsel, my dad's mom, always, so, I mean, she made you feel like you just bought her the Taj Mahal when she got a gift. She just, she was so nice in her love and concern. Oh, thank you. You didn't have to do this. Wonderful, wonderful. But I never saw behind the curtain until I was staying at her house, her trailer one time. And I was sitting, and somebody had given her a gift, I don't know if it was her birthday or whatever, and I was sitting at her table, and she was coming into the trailer, and I watched her, as she, because if the gift was packaged, she wouldn't open the package, which I thought was, she would unwrap it, but she wouldn't open the package. And so as I sat at her table and watched her, she came in, she got this tape, and she put the tape on the package, and put who, the date, and who it was from. She went to a closet, opened up a big closet, and put it with all these other gifts. And I'm sitting there going, and she shut it, and I said, Grandma, what is that? And she goes, well, that's the gifts that everybody have given me over the years, and I want to make sure I give them back to them after I'm gone. And over the years, I thought about that, and I thought about that, because I learned, I've studied over the last few years, I have a love language, and like, number one is gifts. So really, I don't not only love to get gifts, I really love giving gifts too. But I want to see them enjoy it, understand it, apply it, take it, use it. I will peek in your house later. Where is it? (laughs) Come on, some of you still do that too, don't you? Where is it? Where's that gift I gave you five years ago? 
And so to receive a gift, from at least from me, for somebody, and it says that our Heavenly Father is a, a, the giver of all good gifts. So I know His love language is gifts. So to receive a gift and look at it and go, eh, and set it on a shelf? What? I mean, how many of us as parents at Christmas time watched our kids go from, ah, excitement to, next one, ah, excitement. Next one, ah, excitement. And then look at us like, is there any more? I want to challenge you this Christmas. We talked about this first service. Give them one. Watch them. Ah, and as they set it aside, say, no, until you enjoy that one, I'm holding these other ones. Right? Come on, Shannon. We're going there, aren't we? to see how well you enjoy that one before because I got I kept the receipt on these ones come on because don't we want to do it we want to see the music for the gift of grace to be in full use is not just to say I have grace so I can do whatever I want but to understand it apply it use it for what it was purposed for And so how can we do that if we just think everything is permissible because I have grace? You don't understand grace then. You're not using it. It's like, you know, the the old Walkmans. Now I'm really, the shuffles. It's like putting all the good music in that little bitty tiny square and not putting the headphones in it and saying, look what I got. What's that doing for you? I don't know, but look what I got. You're not understanding. You're not using it properly. You have to know that grace is a gift. It has to be received. It has to be opened. It has to be used for what it was purposed for. Grace brings salvation. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Did you see that? The grace of God that brings salvation. Grace steps in. Let me just help you understand that. That grace is the one that stepped into the sin of Adam and Eve. And brought the very presence of God right to their sinful state. Picked them up. Clothed them again. And sent them on. Do you see in their worst state. It's not that we have to clean ourselves up to come before God. It's to cry out we're helpless without God. And then grace steps in, picks us up, cleans us off, clothes us again, and says, gives us that kiss of, I don't want to jump ahead, but it's a kiss of justification. And it says, go ahead. See, grace brings salvation. Galatians 5.1 says, it is, think about this, not was, it is for freedom that Christ has already, past tense, set us free. You know, we quote that all the time, but think, it is, it is a present tense, it is for freedom. You don't have to be enslaved again. It is for freedom that Christ already set you free. It's so you can continue to be free and not be enslaved again. Grace is a gift. Grace brings salvation. Grace is our t- 
teacher. Titus 2, 12 through 13 says, Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives when we get to heaven. No, he says, in this present age, now. You can live a godly life now. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we have the freedom to do whatever we want, everything is permissible. Do whatever we want. Then what is grace teaching us no to? Say no to. If he's our teacher, what's he teaching us to say no to? If we can just do whatever we want. Why? Why? To live godly in this present age now. You need grace in order to live now in this present age godly, upright, self-controlled lives. Grace demands radical obedience. You see, Corinthian church was saying, everything is permissible, whatever you want to do. Grace doesn't say that. Grace says, I'm your teacher. Demands radical obedience to say no, but he gives you everything you need to say no. Live godly lives. Grace is a gift. Grace brings salvation. Grace is your teacher. Grace is not a license to do what you want to do. Grace brings justification. I love that word, justification. Titus 2.11, Jesus Christ who gave himself, was Jesus Christ who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. That word redeem is both justification and a purchase back from. Justification means just as if I. Justification, just as if I had never sinned. That's that kiss. That's when grace rushes in. When we cry out, we can't do this. We need you, God. Grace rushes in, picks us up, cleans us up, and kisses us with that justification. Just as if you had never fallen. And puts you back up on your feet again. I mean, it's the child. We tell our children, six kids, and we still tell them today. It's not when you make a mistake. Or it's not if you make a mistake, it's when you make a mistake. You will make many mistakes. Boys make many more mistakes than girls. We figured that one out too. They just do. Amen. Says my oldest son. They make me, and so we had to teach them. You're going to make many mistakes, but please don't run from us. Run to us. Forgiveness will never be found running from us. You come quickly to us, forgiving, we'll forget it, and we'll kiss you and put you on to try something different. Don't do that again. But do it again. That's that justification. Don't worry, there's no, oh, geez, here he goes again. Could you imagine God saying that to one of us? You're asking for forgiveness again. Justification says, just as if I had never sinned, means that first mistake will always be the first mistake. It's not your 29, I'm going to have to ask God for help again. 
It's like you asked me for help before? Just as if I had never redeemed me and meaning to buy back again. To buy back again, repurchase, regain possession of, free from captivity, liberate, rescue, save. Save from what? From all wickedness. From all wickedness. Imagine going to great lengths to pay for somebody's, is it called bond? I said that quickly last service and then I thought maybe that's not the word. To get out of jail. Their bond. Bail. bail. Thank you. I knew that wasn't the right word. Bail. To bail them out, pay their bail, to get them out, get them plugged into a place where they can get help and, and get on the right path only to receive a phone call later that says they're gone. What? Yeah, they're back in jail again. What happened? Well, they did that same thing again. You know, my family knows... You know, all too good. My aunt um, had a horrible addiction to heroin. She's long since um, been with the Lord now, but loved the Lord. She really did. She loved the Lord with all her heart, but just horribly, horribly addicted. She just kept getting way too close to that line, staying in the wrong places, being with the wrong people, and heroin was always her. It gets really loud when I stand there. Um, downfall, basically. And they, we would go to great lengths. She would end up in jail. They, you know, sell them, get the money, get her out of jail, get her to teen challenge, get her in there, pay whatever we need to get her there, and then only to receive the phone call that night or the next day that says she's gone. Oh, where did she go? Well, right back to the same place. But see, when we keep nibbling at the things that Jesus set us free from, we will become enslaved again. I have people, way too many people, come to me and, again, demanding and fighting their right to do this one thing that is not going to kill them. And you can't prove to me that I can't do this. And I know I can. And it's fine. It's fine to only come back later. And their life's a mess. Everything's gone and they don't know what happened. <clears throat> Did you think maybe you kept getting too close to that dead life? Maybe you should have fought harder to stay away from the line instead of fighting harder to stay close to the line. You know, it, it's got to finally come over us. That Christ set us free, redeemed us, just as if I had not sinned, so that we will stay far away from that dead man. Why? Why? I mean, again, if you read the context over and over again, you'll see the Father heart of God say, Why do you keep going back to that dead life? What benefit did you reap from the things you are not ashamed of? Is there any time in your life, I mean, not in my life, I've never sat and thought, boy, have I benefited from being an alcoholic in my young years. Man, that just did me good. Whoa, the things from my past, I'm proud. I wish they were tattooed all over the walls of this church, everything I did in my past. <laughs> What benefit did you reap from that past life? 
Why do you keep trying to go back to what could possibly enslave you again? Again, grace escorts that sinner who cries out, and I can't do this anymore on my own, escorts them into the presence of a holy God. I mean, you ever get close to somebody that you know is, well, let's just say, um, doing a little bit better than you. Let's just, you know. And you think, I'm not even worthy to be standing close to this person. But think, grace comes in and scoops up the muddiest of sinners. Cleans them up and escorts them into the presence of God in his holiness. Kisses them with that justification and sets them on daddy's lap. Says, look, who's back? Just as if he never sinned in the first place. What breaks his heart is when we come off his lap and run back to that pit. Say, oh, but I can just nibble from this. So everything's permissible. He says, what benefit are you getting from that that I freed you from? What are you proud of when you do do that? Nibble at that. What are you proud of in that? What benefit? And last two things I want to talk about is the evidence of grace and the purpose of grace. Your life should be marked with the evidence of God's grace in your life. In Acts chapter 11, the church in Antioch was doing something that the church in Jerusalem said, um, go check that out. Something's happening over there. Not bad. I, I think it's good. Go Go check that out. And so in verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 22, news of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw the evidence of the grace of God, and he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Your life should be marked with the evidence of God's grace. There should be a definite separation. I mean, I've shared this testimony with you before when I walked the streets of Nashville where I grew up. And let's just say a rebellious teenager. I walked the streets, and as I was walking down the sidewalk, a lady ran out of the store and said, Brenda, get in here, get in here. And I went inside, and she goes, just you. And what does it take, like two, three seconds to walk in front of a store window? And she goes, there's something different about your life now. Than the last time I saw you. I went on missions trips. Where before I even get to the people. I, actually my story was. And I just heard Charlotte say this. It happened to them when they was in New York. Where people was yelling at them though. Stay away. We don't want Jesus. They could feel the presence of God coming up. Their life was marked with. Where in my story in Detroit when I was there, they were actually encouraging us before we even got to their block. Hey, you got some. I know you're carrying. You got something. Come up here and tell us whatever you want to tell us. And we led a drug house full of people to the Lord and was praying for them out in the lawn and seeing them slain in the spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues even. 
because they saw us coming. We weren't carrying. They said, we see you carrying. We weren't physically carrying anything, but they knew there was something. There was Our life was marked with the grace of God. Is your life marked with the evidence of grace? 1 Peter 2.16 says, live as free men. There's your freedom. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. You see, if all you're doing is looking for excuses to live life on your own terms, I truly believe you're going to find them. If all you're doing is looking for excuses to do life on your own, live the way you want to, and figure, you know, I can just eke into heaven, you're going to find your excuses. Actually, you'll find other people who will defend your excuses too. Because like magnets, they're drawn to each other. Well, I was talking to so-and-so, and so-and-so says that there's nothing wrong with this. Oh, what does the Word of God say? Ah, uh, I know so-and-so might feel right, but I don't think they're the Word of God. They might sound like the voice of God. But they're not the Word of God. I see, if all you're doing is looking for excuses to live life on your own terms, you'll find them. But if we can look for more excuses to live closer to God instead of farther away from God and closer to sin, we'll find them too. And that's what the grace of God is. It's the power to do exactly what you're supposed to do. That's the purpose of grace. The purpose of grace, Titus 3, 4 through 8 says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing. There it is, that grace picking us up, washing us off. By the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, there it is. What's the purpose of it? Why did he pick me up? Why did he wash me off? Why did he justify me? So that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Listen, that's not all, because he says, pause, hold on a minute. This is a trustworthy saying. What I'm about ready to tell you has more power than you're even receiving here. Listen, 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 Linda. Listen, Linda, listen. He paused right there, because he was about ready to tell you something so important, and he says, stress this. This is a trustworthy saying. Stress this. So that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Not to living life doing whatever you feel like doing. To doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. So that. So why does grace slip in, pick us up, wash us off, kiss us, justify us? And put us on the right path again so that we'll be a people eager to do what is good. Devoting ourselves to God. Why is it so important that we do things that are good? 
Not because, again, let me stress, it's not to earn God's love. It's like you and your, your spouse right now. You do good things for that spouse because you love them. You don't do things for your spouse and hope that they'll love you because you do good things. It's the same with God. You don't do things, good things to earn his love. You do good things because of his love, from his love. He justifies you, and then your life is marked with this grace that embodies you and, and emboldens you to do good things. And you're marked with that grace. Your life becomes an evidence of his grace. So that, Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before men, so that they will see your good deeds, and what? And glorify your God in heaven. It's so other people say, what's different about you? Jody, there's something different about you now than last year. What, what is it? What, tell me. What did it? Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you. So in summary, here it is. In summary, grace and freedom. Grace is God's gift that brings salvation, redeems us from our past sin, and teaches us to say no to anything that might try to enslave us again. Freedom came the minute I submitted as a slave to Christ. Freedom from sin, freedom from fear, freedom from death. Grace is the freedom to live godly lives so that... Others can see God in all I do and be brought to Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you understand grace and freedom is not a license for you to do what you want to do. Grace is the power for you to live a godly life now. So let me just ask you as we close. I want you to think about that. I think for too long the church has received grace like a badge and haven't been using grace what it's purposed for. Grace has so much more, and I feel like I skipped a verse. Hold on a second. I did. 9.8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will. And remember, wherever it says you will, that's a God promise. Boom. He said, all my promises are yes and amen. So that you will abound in every thing you want to do? No. In every good work. You want to know, how can I do good works? There's nothing good in me. How can I? Grace. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in good works. You don't have to go looking for them. It happens. Grace in you happens. So I want to close with a 
portion of Max Locato wrote a book on grace. And in it, he quotes the old hymn, "'Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home." He continues to write, "'When John Newton penned this promise, he did so out of personal experience. His greatest test came the day he buried his wife, Mary. He'd loved her dearly and prayed that his death would precede hers. But his prayer was not answered. On the day Mary Newton died, John Newton found strength to preach a Sunday sermon the next day he visited church members and later he officiated at his wife's funeral. He grieved, but in his grief he found God's provision. He later wrote, The Bank of England was too poor to compensate for such a loss as this. But the Lord, the all-sufficient God, spoke and it was done. Let those who know him and trust him be of good courage. God's grace is sufficient for thee. My friend, disease, calamity, trouble, populate your world today. But God. But God. Those things don't control it. Grace does. 2 Corinthians 12 9 my grace is sufficient for you for in my for my power is made perfect in your weakness God's grace is the power to live free so let me just ask you right now could you guys just stand up Close your eyes, though. Bow your head. I want you to just focus on God for a few minutes. Because to some of you, God's already been tapping you on the shoulder. Pricking at your heart, even. Yeah, that's me. is sufficient for you. You will never find a benefit to get closer when you get closer to the edge. Benefits come the farther you step away from the edge. The benefits. God has so much more. The, the grace is a gift. 
But we need to open that gift, receive that gift, and apply that gift in the purpose it was created for, to be the power to be all that God purposed for us. Say no to ungodliness, to say no to that old life, that dead life, and to live a new life, purified and eager to do good things. So let me ask you, when you, I want to pray with you. The prayer team wants to pray with you. If you've been struggling with that pull from that old life, would you just raise your hand so just I can see? I want, I want to pray. Yeah, I see you. Yeah. I want to pray for you. struggled with the let's just call it a repeat offense you keep slipping back into the same thing and then you you beat yourself up over I can't ask God to help me again so I gotta fix this on my own I'll take care of this I'll stop doing this or I'll do this or I'll do that and grace is the hands of grace is tied when you want to take care of things yourself and all that grace can give you, you've rejected. If you've been struggling with that, I can do this myself. I, I can take care of this my own. Would you just slip up your hand? I, I want to pray with you. Yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure there's more people than, than just the people that raise their hand. Because I'm feeling it really strong. plenty of time. I wanted to close early so that we would have time to spend at the altar. Let me again encourage you to step out of your comfort zone, out of your chair. It's an act of obedience when you come up to the altar and surrender yourself there. It's a throwing up your hands. Hey, I can't do this without you, God. Surrender. Not a selfish God, you come to me in my seat and give me what I want. So let's do this as Cassie leads in this song, the team leads us in this song. Let's spend some, a few minutes at the altar. If you need prayer, the people that raise your hand come up front. I'm going to call the prayer team up front. We're going to start praying for you. If you have a sickness that you want prayed for, whatever you need prayer for, we're going to spend a few minutes and then I'll close us in prayer. So don't leave. Don't leave. This is a time where heaven meets you right here, right here.